This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com. This morning, we have a special speaker, and our special guest in 1985 had a dream to give life-changing memories and experiences in a week of camp to foster kids in the Costa Mesa, California area. That dream came to pass, and they had in that first year in the mountains 37 campers that they were able to serve. That dream has now uh, multiplied into over 200 chapters in the United States and several other chapters across the globe. Tulsa, Oklahoma is one of those chapters fully staffed by our church, Christian Chapel, for the past 25 years. That's amazing. And so Royal Family Kids is in our blood at Christian Chapel, and so it is a great honor this morning to have the founder of Royal Family Kids Camp, Wayne Tesh, here to speak with us this morning. Thank you. I don't know about you, but I am just overwhelmed. I was sitting there with tears in my eyes. I mean, I've been at this for a long, long time. And to be able to see the transformation that takes place, because God's people get excited and are willing to give of their time and energy to make a difference in the world in which we live. What a privilege it is to be with you today. And Eddie, Don... You know, we're, we're about giving trophies and awards, and, you know, we, we don't know what's going to happen. We, we jokingly say when we go to heaven, it's going to be tough to find Jesus with all the awards, you know, but we'll see what happens here. It says, for the children, certificate of chapter recognition, for the children honors Christian chapel. You represent the very heart of God's church. For 25 years of being at the heart of leading change in your community through For the Children, your consistent and sacrificial service has brought comfort to the brokenhearted. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. This is presented to you for the church as a whole, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for who you are. Let me just give you a little hug. God bless you. Thank you. See you. Well, I think we can go home now because we had the message. You saw it with what took place with the video. That, oh, what, what a joy it was for me to be there Thursday and meet some of the people that were there. Oh, it it's just really a privilege to be here. And I'd like to uh, be able to read to you the scripture for this morning. Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers, there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, 
he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up. Take your mat and go home. He got up, took the mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we've never seen anything like this before. Now imagine with me. You've got to imagine this message. This is a story, and you just have to be part of this story. It's so important that you're part of this story. There is a knock at the door, and a voice from within said, come on in. And four men walk in, and they said, guess what, friend? Jesus is in town, and where Jesus is, some great things are going to happen. The blind can see, the deaf can hear, and the lame can walk, and we're taking you to Jesus. So they pick him up on their stretcher, and they begin to walk down those narrow streets of Capernaum. And they came to the house where Jesus was. And it was packed with people. Now, this isn't in Scripture. You have to imagine with me. I imagine they probably put the stretcher down, and they had a little holy huddle, and they said, what are we going to do? And I imagine they said, well, why don't we see if we can get in the back door? Maybe we can see in the back. So one went to the back door. One checked out the other side. They came back and said, no, it's full. We can't get in. One of them came up with that great idea. Why don't we go up on the roof? So they come back and they say, friend, guess what? We have found a way. We're going to take you up on the roof. And I'm sure, this isn't in Scripture, but I'm sure the paralyzed man said, the roof! Why am I going? I've never been up on the roof before. I've never been up there. And they said, come on, we're going to take you up there. So they pick him up. And I don't know about you, but I grew up in upstate New York, and we had two-story houses and the bedrooms are always on the top floor, and taking mattresses from the first floor to the second floor. was kind of awkward. You people who live in ranch houses, you have it easy. You just move furniture wherever you go, but when you have two stories, you know, you've got to carry that mattress up to the second floor. Well, I imagine the poor paralyzed man, he was just hanging on with dear life. It was a white-knuckle ride for him as they begin to go up those steps and they get up on the steps, and all of a sudden, uh, up on the roof, and they say, now what are we going to do? And one of the guys says, we're going to, let's see, I think Jesus is right about here. <laughs> Why don't we just dig a hole right here? And they begin to dig a hole in the roof. Now, Jesus, is, he knows what's going on, because the Jesus I serve, he knows it all. And he's understanding what's going to take place that's going to amaze the people he's teaching to. He's teaching along, and pretty soon, some big dirt clogs begin to fall. And Jesus being Jesus, he moves because he's not going to get hit by the big ones. He knows what's coming. Snow, dust begins to descend like snow on his head. And he's just saying, oh, I can't wait till these people see what's going to happen. Now, 
this is in scripture, and, but nobody's ever thought about it before. And I've often wondered, how big of a hole do you make in a roof to let a paralyzed man come through? Do you let him come down vertically? <laughs> do you let him come down horizontally? They could have just dropped him. He was going to be healed anyways, but they didn't know that at the time. <clears throat> they didn't know that at the time. So very carefully, they lowered the man on the mat, and he came face to face with Jesus. And there's something special. When you're able to spend time with Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, and you look into his eyes, and you know something great is going to be happening. Now, I've often wondered how this all came, came about, in a sense. Jesus looking at him, and, you know, um, it reminds me of when Jesus says, arise. He said, arise from your past. Arise from your pain. Arise from a mindset that has you so paralyzed you can't comprehend or understand the goodness that God has for you. Arise. And in that moment, the man stood up. A little weak need at first, as new blood started to flow through his extremities. And there, all of a sudden, he was standing strong before Jesus. This is a mention in Scripture, but I've often wondered, if you were up on the roof, what would you have done? What would you have done if you were up on the roof? I know as I looked down and I saw my friend be, being healed by Jesus and saw that incredible miracle, I know what I would have done. I don't know about you, but I would have jumped through the hole in the roof. I would have come down. I would have gone up to my friend and gave him a great big bear hug and said, oh, and I'd go up to Jesus, give him a high five and said, thank you, Jesus, for what you were able to accomplish and do. Oh, my goodness, what? it's incredible. Now, this is in Scripture. The people, there were so many people, they couldn't let him in. All of a sudden, the guy picked up his stretcher, and the people parted. There was room for him. And I imagine he had like a little New York strut as he went on back, feeling good, praising God, and everybody was amazed. Now, this isn't in Scripture, but I've often wondered about it, too, being a camp guy. Um, who fixed the hole in the roof? I'm sure you thought about that. <laughs> oh, I imagine the next day, there's a knock at the door. Instead of a voice, there's a person that walks up, opens up the door, and, and there's four friends there. And instead of a stretcher, they now have their toolkits. And the five of them begin to walk down those uh, streets of Capernaum, and they begin to send up those stairs and they begin to get up there and they begin to take fresh palm fronds and mud and they begin to repair that roof. And I imagine that the person that came through the hole in the roof took his finger and wrote in that fresh mud, I came through the roof, was healed by Jesus, signed his name, put the date, and someday some archaeologists just may find it. <laughs> I believe that. Folks, there are still children in foster care. There are lying on the stretcher. There's over a million of them in foster care. Coming from those hard places, children who have been thrown up against walls and locked in closets, 
Children who hide under their beds in fear and whose nightmares are real. Children who have been beaten with two by fours, whipped with bicycle chains, and burned with cigarette butts. And for one week, the people of Christian Chapel have carried children for the past 25 years to Jesus and have given them a memory that will transform their lives because they meet Jesus in a new and exciting way because you have decided it's worth it. It's worth it. One of the exciting things that I find that I get moved all the time are hearing stories. You think you hear everything all the time. And I'm constantly hearing new stories, seeing and experiencing new experiences. And this past spring, I was in Texas. And I heard this girl, similar to the alumni that gave her testimony, gave her testimony. It was her birthday on her high school graduation day. She was salutatorian. And after the graduation, she comes home to her foster parents. And her foster parents had taken her clothes and suitcases and put them on the lawn and said, you no longer live here, you're on your own as an 18-year-old girl. She didn't know what to do. What she did at that time, the only place she knew, the only person she could think of was her camp counselor and called her up. She now is in her third year of college. God has just given her a, a connection with people within a local church that have made a difference in her life. People like you. We think it's just about the children, but our lives are deeply changed and transformed as well as we serve. That's what it's all about as we serve. We begin to be transformed into the image of what Jesus wants us to be. You as a church for 25 years, six months worth of going to camp, you are the ones that have made a difference. One of the first stories that, seeing it's 25 years and thinking back, one of the first stories I recall is um, the Brett story. It's a story that is very near and dear because most of you know part of the story, but you don't know the end of the story. And I'd like to tell the end of the story. And that is that when, I, when we started Royal Family for the first year, I had to go into the bank and set up a checking account. And I walked into New Count's uh, manager, representative, and her name was Mary. And Mary said to me, what's this for? And I said, oh, it's for children in the foster care system. We're starting a new outreach, new ministry for children in foster care. And um, she said, well, could my son attend? I said, uh, well, uh, I mean, I'm rather new at this. I didn't know. I said, well, tell me your story, because we all have stories. So she shared her story. She said, I married a man who was an alcoholic, bipolar, just very depressed individual. And uh, one day, he took our three sons and took them into a warehouse in San Diego. And this is in the newspaper in San Diego uh, Tribune, big headlines. So it's, I'm not just telling the story just as a story, but there's facts behind this. And um, she said, my husband took a gun 
shot my oldest, wounded the next two, and then committed suicide. She said it was just overwhelming to be able to be there with my son, with my two sons that survived. And my one, the youngest, Brett, he, um, he, he emotionally was having a difficult time. It happened when he was four, five, and now he's seven. And my other son that survived is handicapped. He couldn't go to camp, but I know that Brett could. I think he would need it. I said, well, send him. So he came to camp that week. And we were wondering what was going to happen because she said he spends between two to four weeks a summer in um, a mental hospital. He has nightmares every night. He just is having a difficult time living. And um, so he came to camp and uh, he went home after camp and said to his mother, Mom, we have to begin to go to church now because people at church really love me. And um, I need to be there because I know that they'll love me. Well, they weren't at, they were in San Diego and the camp was in Coast Mesa, Orange County. So they found a church in the neighborhood. They went to church and before long, uh, he went down to Sunday school and Mary was in the sanctuary. And pretty soon, Brett comes and sits beside his mother and says, Mom, the Sunday school teacher didn't show up. Now, let me put on my pastor's hat for a second. Folks, if you make a commitment, <laughs> you better keep it because you'll never know what's going to happen. And I'm telling you the story, the rest of the story. Make sure when you say yes, fulfill the obligation. That's your responsibility, and you've done that so well. So I, I don't want to come too hard on you guys, <laughs> because you've done it really well. But, so he's up there, and um, after church, he says, Hey, Mom, with my Sunday school offering, could I go and have a Slurpee at 7-Eleven? So they pull into 7-Eleven, and Mary said, I walked into 7-Eleven, and there was a homeless man lying in front of the doors. I go around him and open the door, and Brett comes behind me, and he looks down at this homeless man, and he says, Mr., I used to be in bad shape too, but Jesus changed my life. He can change yours, and gave him his offering. Mary said it was the first time I had ever saw my son share anything in his life, his offering to a homeless man. And then he says, Mom, couldn't we bring him home for dinner? And Mary said, no, I don't think so, not at this time. <laughs> Fast forward. When he came home, I went back, well, I went back into the bank about three months later. Mary goes, Wayne, come here. She tells me that story, and she also says, I want you to know that something has happened to my son. Uh, he used to have nightmares, waking up during the middle of the night, night terrors. He doesn't have any more nightmares anymore. He's now um, singing the songs of camp throughout the house. And there's something that I haven't seen in three years, and that he is smiling and there's now a dimple. One of the things is he went through phases, as they all do. And um, 
uh, his teenage years were tough. Uh, he was, I was a Facebook friend of his and he defriended me because I saw some things that weren't appropriate and said, Brett, that's not you. I don't remember you like that. Well, he defriended me. Um, but then we started this relationship through the years. Three or four years ago, I get, on Christmas Eve, I get a phone call from Mary. Mary says, Wayne, I just want you to know Brett's part of the family now. He is um, clean, he's sober, he's worshiping, and he's now head of the house. He's found his calling and his purpose in life. He's making a difference, and I just want you to know that. I tell that story because we're nothing but seed planters, basically. We're not going to see all the stories that God has. But, oh, heaven's going to be such a great time when that bus pulls up in heaven's gates and we see the children coming and saying thank you and worshiping Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords. One of the great things that I like is um, at each chapel, at the end of each chapel, each chapel starts with singing. It has a scripture verse, Adventure Time, we call it. Uh, they tell a Bible story. And, and then what I like, and I've got to give a shout out to the drama team. They were all the alumni. Uh, you did such a great job uh, at the drama. And then, in conclusion, what they do, they all stand as a benediction, and they sing, Jesus loves me, this I know. And I couldn't think of another way or a better way to close the service after 25 years, but to have a stand. And let's sing that song that makes such a theological statement, whether we're seven or 70, it doesn't matter. This is so true to who we are. Let's sing this song. comfortable with that let's go for it we'll sing it one more time Jesus loves me this I know for the Bible tells me so little ones to him below they are weak but he is strong yes Jesus 
Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christian Chapel. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com.